0: So we're doing this series called uh, Triggered, uh, Terms of Our Time. And uh, Ryan led off last week with uh, with the with teaching on triggered, on that term. And tonight we're moving on into the terms truth and to- toxic, uh, two, two terms that, uh, that get a lot of attention and a lot of use in our in our culture these days. We're going to start with the, the scriptures that are connected here, and that's Jeremiah 2 and John 7. So if you if you got an old-fashioned book, Turn to Jeremiah 2 and John, and, uh, John 7, and uh, maybe stick your finger in John 7, and we'll start in Jeremiah 2. Um, in case you want a, a copy, there, back on the back table, there's some, some Bibles. You're welcome to grab one of those if you'd like. We'll start with Jeremiah 2, verse 7, and then we'll bounce on over to John 7. Let's pray. God, our Father, our, our lives, our, our ears, our brains, our hearts are the, are the fertile soil. And we just wait for you to sow seed, uh, the seed of your word, so that your word would grow in us and bear its fruit. So uh, bless us as we open your word now in the name of Jesus. Amen. So here's Jeremiah. Um, Jeremiah' is known as the the weeping prophet for forty one years for forty one years Jeremiah prophesied um, from the years six twenty seven bc to five eighty six bc for forty one years Jeremiah prophesied he was known as the weeping prophet because he 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 felt so passionately what God had given him to say that he cried as he said it and he and he, and he felt so distraught for his people who were like just hard-headed people and weren't, weren't receiving what God had to say, that he cried as he told them what God had to, what God had to say. But he did that for 41 years. And, uh, and, and here, we're dropping down in the middle of, of, of all that Jeremiah had to say when we see this one verse. But this is, this is one of the complaints that God spoke to his people through the prophet Jeremiah. He says, "...for my people have done two evil things." They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Jeremiah 2, 13. Then over in John, John 7, 37-49. A little mini-Jesus story. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Back to John in a minute, but first, let's talk Jeremiah. So, uh, Jeremiah, uh, God, through Jeremiah, is putting his finger on two problems. One, that the people had abandoned God, uh, who, who is, was their living water. And, and not only they abandoned God, but they had entered into a DIY project, a, a dig-it-yourself project, to uh, substitute for, what, for the living water that they had abandoned from God. Um, you know, as you read this, um, for my people have done two things. They have abandoned me. I'm struck by the words my in the word me um, for my people have abandoned me. It, it feels like God is taking it personally. It feels personal to God that that his effort to 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 pour out living water to his people that they've just shrugged it it off. But it also has a feeling of sadness and, and grief um, that that. God is is saying this that J- Jeremiah is weeping as he announces this um, with sadness and, and with grief. and uh notice that it's it is living water that God intended to give to the people that they themselves have have abandoned. Water is really important in uh in the the land of the Bible. The average rainfall in what we now know as Israel ranges from one inch a year up to 44 inches a year in best case scenario, um, and, and for an average of about 20 inches of rain a year. That's a third of the rain that we get here in, in Mississippi. Um, so if you live in a land where there's that little rainfall, every drop counts and you catch it and you, 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 you try to save that rain, that water for uh, a time when you would need it. Um, that's that's what the, the second problem is. That, that not only did you abandon the living water, but you dug for yourselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water. And we don't really do cisterns anymore. Um, but a cistern is just a, it's a, it's a water tank. And, and back in the day, the only thing that you could make a water tank out of was stone. And the only way you could do that would be to carve a hole in the stone. And you can imagine how much work and effort that would be. So it, it was not just an easy, careless, oops, I made a mistake and abandoned God and accidentally dug a cistern. It's like it's like a real intentional move away from God, the living water. Like, hey God, I got this. I'll do this myself. I'll do this my own way. I'm taking care of what I need. That was basically the message that they said. Don't miss, though, the comparison between the living water that, that, that God is, the fountain of living water, and the water that they would collect in a cistern. You know what happens when water... Sits around for days, weeks. He gets that funk, that skim, that that little skimmy funk across the top, and things start swimming in it, and uh, the water just goes stale. and And so that's the comparison: living water versus stale water. And God offers the living water. So this is really, really negative here. But but there's a real positive spin. Uh, don't just hear the negative angle of of God being upset about the the evil hear God's good intentions God's good intention here is is that 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 God is God's living water is the secret ingredient that brings life to our lives it is it is God that makes the difference that God's living water is the secret ingredient that brings life to our to our lives and the other piece of the good news is that you don't have to do it yourself you don't have to you don't have to make the most of your life. It's not up to you to, to achieve your full potential. <laughs> um, yeah, you got a part to play in that. But it is God, God's living water poured into your life that you drink up that is what brings you to the full potential that God designed, d- desires for you. So, Jeremiah 2: living water. More living water, John 7. John 7. So this is, uh, John 7 is just kind of an updated version of the same provision, the same promise, the same intention of God to be living water to his people, To, to not just wind up the clock and leave it, but to create us in his image and then to invest in us living water that keeps things fresh. So when Jesus says what he says in John 738, um, it's an updated version of the same provision, the same promise that we see in Jeremiah 2. And that is this: that, that God gives what we need that makes us alive. That God, like he did in Jeremiah, God gives us what we need that makes us truly alive. And uh but here we see that, it, that it's even better than that. Because now this new way, this updated uh, version of the same provision is that, that it's now not just like, uh, you know, kind of metaphorically water bubbling up, but it's literally the Holy Spirit in you, inve- the Holy Spirit invested in us, the Holy Spirit in a believer that, that is a fountain of living water that bubbles up and overflows and, and refreshes you and overflows into the world around. And Jesus gives the prerequisite for experiencing this um, some key words, first, anyone, anyone, well all of us, all of them, eight billion of us, anyone who who believes in me may come and drink. The prerequisites are that anyone who is thirsty and anyone who is trusting and anyone who drinks receives this fountain of living water bubbling up out of your inner core. Um, Jeremiah was good news when there's a good God who who gives living water, what we need to to really live. But John 7 is even better because it's the same good God giving the same living water, but in a way that is just so constant and so from the inside out as the Holy Spirit Bubbles up, wells up in us. Okay, so these two passages set the stage for us to talk a little bit about truth and toxic. Um, so what does what is, what is the biblical and discipleship reality of living water have to say to these two terms of our time? Um, what it has to say about truth is this. Uh, Guys, be really careful, be really, really careful about digging up your own truth. Um, Be really careful about where you get the information that is the basis for the way you live your life, for the way you do your relationships, for the way you do all that life involves. Be really, really careful where you get your information on which you base your life. Because the result you get kind of depends on the content that you start with. Truth. And when it comes to toxic, um, the best solution for toxic is living water. The best solution for bad water is, is good water. Uh, the best solution is, is toxic, is, is living water. Um, the, the overview of that is, first, to be so quenched and satisfied and helped and healed by God's living water yourself. In dealing with the toxicity of relationships, people, institutions, just generally stuff in the world, uh, the, the first step is to be so quenched, satisfied, helped and healed by God's living water. I don't mean that as a Jesus juke, to pretend that the hard stuff isn't there. I mean that is the, that's the deeper reality that we have to work from, to be quenched and satisfied with God's living water. Uh, a second step along the way is, is that, that with God's wisdom, then deal with the toxic. With God's wisdom, deal with the toxic. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, but then the, the, the final point of this is that the toxicity of our world needs the living water in you overflowing and spilling out. So those are uh, that's that's where we're headed as we talk about toxic and truth. But first, let's dive in a little more to this idea of, of truth. Um, not just truth, but what I want to talk about here is the concept of your truth. Um, our cultures, our, our culture just is, is is pushing this surge toward your truth. Uh, um. We're suspicious, and we ought to be, of, of truth. Um, we ought to be suspicious of truth because g- generations of leaders, generations of institutions, for all of your lifetime and for a whole lot of my lifetime, um, generations of leaders, institutions, parents have not done a good job with truth. For generations, people who have been responsible to, to share what's right and true and real, and ought to be have not been have not done a good job of doing that and have actually done quite a lot of harm instead of the good that should come from truth so uh, call it a, a truth crisis um, it's really hard to talk about truth because of the bad job that so many um, have done leading the way with truth um, love the perspective of uh, the uh, of need to breathe in in the song through smoke when the answers and the truth take different sides, will you still find me? When the answers and the truth have cut their ties, will you still find me? It's a truth crisis. It's like it's like what are the answers and what's the truth, or or, or our answers? Do our answers and the truth um, jive together? In this truth crisis, um, one reaction and the reaction that we see a lot in culture and in, the, in, the, in in our cultures push toward us is to, to, to find, live, and speak your truth, what's true for you, a view of reality. By, by your truth, it, I, I mean uh, a view of reality that is defined by me, defined by my needs, defined by my experiences, and defined by my expectations. It's my truth. You can have yours, but, uh, but that's, that's mine. Another way to say it is I'm digging my own cistern. I'm digging my own well uh, to to carry around what I need to fill me up, to pump me up, to get me through. That's one reaction. Uh, A discipled response to the truth crisis. A discipled response to the truth crisis is, um, is to own your thirst for truth. To own our brokenness, that, hey, I don't really know what's up and what's down. A discipled response is to to own our own brokenness, to own our own thirst. Borrowing from John 7 here, borrowing from Jesus, to own your thirst, to to believe or to trust in this living water, and then to drink it up. Um, And that means making a choice. Of what your truth is. It's making the choice that, that that God's truth is going to be my truth. And no, I won't get it right all the time. But that's the intentional choice that I'm making with my life. That my life will be grounded and founded on God's truth. Not on my truth. Not on somebody else's truth. But on God's truth. Um, Somewhere in Kentucky, I think, earlier today, we were driving along and I was working on this and Linda was driving and we were talking about some of it and, and, and Linda came out with, uh, the, uh, with a, the quote of the night. She said, if everybody's dealing with stuff, um, with cultural truth or with their own truth, if everybody's dealing with their own stuff with their own truth, then that's a whole lot of truths out there that, that aren't true. <laughs> and How true is, is that? And how confusing and how... Um, How many dug cisterns are there out there that we're all dipping out of? What we need is the wisdom of biblical truth more than cultural or personal truth. The wisdom of biblical truth. And growing up in Christ means growing up in the truth. It means making the choice that God, your truth will be my truth. And see, it's not that Jesus wants to boss you around with a set of truths. Um, It's that Jesus wants to give you living water, the the truest thing that that our souls need. So uh, in a culture that would coach us, send us, urge us down the road of your own truth, um, speak up to that impulse to find your own truth and answer that with, with a, a choice to go with God's truth because it is true for you. Okay, let's talk toxic for a minute. Um, also from Jeremiah 2, John 7, um, what do these have to say to the term of our time, toxic? I mean, toxic definitely is a problem. Um, ask Ohio and West Virginia um tanker cars of vinyl chlorides sp- spilled in, on their soil toxic is a problem um but when it comes to the way we uh the term the way we use this term of our time what is toxic and uh and and how do we deal with toxic with a biblical discipled perspective well i think if you just boil it all down what, what we mean by toxic is you are bad for me um Train derailment, vinyl chloride, you are bad for me. <laughs> um, whatever else you might have the reflex to call toxic, what you mean is you are bad for me. And uh, and let me be really careful here because I, I, I'm not saying that uh, there is a very appropriate use of toxic, but then there's maybe a less responsible use of the term toxic. So uh, I want to be careful about what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. Um, there is real toxic in which somebody or a situation really is bad for me, unhealthy, unhelpful. Um, there is real toxic, and, and, it, and it's difficulty in a relationship or in a situation due to some hurtful dynamics with a person or a situation or an institution. That's one mark of, of toxic. Difficulty due to hurtful dynamics with a person's situation or or institution. Um, got for you twelve uh, twelve things toxic people do and how to deal with them. And I'm, I'm not gonna give you all twelve, but let me throw a few of them at you. Toxic people keep you guessing about which version of them you're gonna get. Toxic people will manipulate you, toxic people won't own their own feelings. They'll make you prove yourself to them. They never apologize. Toxic people will leave a conversation unfinished. Just kind of leave you hanging. If I do that to you it's, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to be toxic. I just like, didn't press the send" button to the message, probably. <laughs> toxic people use non-toxic words with a toxic tone. You ever gotten that one? They bring irrelevant detail into a conversation. They exaggerate, they're judgmental, toxic, toxic people, toxic institutions, toxic situations. There is real toxicity, and if you find yourself in that kind of a situation, um, let me throw a couple of things at you that, that, that really might help. If you find yourself in a real toxic situation where there really is a situation where something or somebody is, is bad for you and, 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 it's not, and it's not straightening out, it's not changing. The first thing I'd say, and this is not a Jesus joke, it's real stuff, pray. Pray about that toxic situation and pray for God's wisdom and pray for God's grace to be with you and for you in that. Second, set some boundaries. Set appropriate boundaries that need to be set. Third, avoid getting drawn into the drama. Just don't attend. Don't attend the drama that you might be invited into. Not going there. Um, You might make the attempt to talk with with the toxic person about the toxicity. Um, Honestly, sometimes that's not productive, but it's usually a good necessary step. Resist trying to fix everything. Uh, Some stuff, everything's broken. Everything is broken, y'all. And probably none of it you can fix. (laughs) The presence of God in you and through you can soothe and help. And yes, bring some healing and some new creation. But resist you being the fixer of everything. Um, Sometimes you limit your time. The time that you spend in a toxic situation Really important to feel the grief. If something's toxic, it means that something that matters isn't what you need it to be, want it to be. Go ahead and feel the grief of that. Don't just forget it and move on. Um, But feel the grief and forgive. Forgive. One of the most healing things you can do is to forgive anybody who's done anything that hurt you and they don't have to say i'm sorry because forgiveness is a one-way street that you give and uh and the only way the way we can do that is through the forgiveness of jesus just pass along to that person the forgiveness that jesus um has for them um Throw that at you just to give you some handles that there really are some things that you can do to deal with toxic situations. And if there's anything there that you want to uh, chat some more about, um, Linda and I both are really new experts on toxicity, so uh, we'd be we'd be happy to talk to you about toxic. Okay, so there's real toxic, but then there's mislabeled toxic, and the danger here um, it, it is that when we miss, like like, with, like Ryan said, with triggered, if we if we Misuse triggered, then, then then that kind of invalidates the valid uses of triggered when there really are trigger situations. Same kind of deal is true here: that if we um, mislabel things toxic that really aren't toxic, um, then that takes some of the the credibility out of those the, the need to deal with something that really is toxic. So, um, <coughs> a few thoughts about this. Dealing with mislabeled or mislabeled to- toxicity. Um, okay, sometimes what we call toxic is just old-fashioned disagreement. Y'all, it's okay to disagree with people. It's really okay that people for people to disagree about things happens all the time. Probably should happen more often. Um, even in the church, it's okay if people disagree. It's not okay to disagree about some things in the church. There's there's some there's some non-negotiables here. Um, but sometimes what we call toxic is just kind of plain, simple, old disagreement. Sometimes what we call toxic is just people being different. I mean, you know how different people are. I mean, uh, and it's not toxic that somebody is different from you. It just means they're different from you. Maybe Maybe the differentness means that you're not going to be buddies. Maybe the differentness means that you're not even going to get along but the differentness doesn't necessarily mean that one of you has to be toxic. Sometimes um, we, the thing we call toxic, um, we haven't even tried reconciliation. And I don't say that to put the burden on you, the one who's on the wrong end, the short end of that stick. But, uh, but I'm saying that, that there is the, 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 the effort and attention, intention toward reconciliation that's important. But sometimes a, th- a situation just really is toxic. Um, so ask yourself when you're being hurt in a situation, when you're being bugged in a situation, ask yourself, um, what, why does this feel toxic? How is it that this is bad for me? Um, be aware of the need or the expectation that you feel that's being thwarted by the thing or person who feels toxic to you when you when somebody when you're tempted to call somebody toxic it's probably because you're not getting something that you need from them or they are somehow thwarting what you need an expectation um, or a need ask yourself the question why does this feel toxic get to the bottom of it don't just throw the label out there Um, is this really toxic going on here or is this something different and here's the concern that labeling someone or something toxic is like a nuclear option. If I call you toxic, Ollie, you were you toxic to me. If, if I didn't, I mean, that, that, that would do, that would do something to our relationship. I wouldn't get Ollie hugs like anymore, uh, you know, because there, because I just called him toxic and be careful throwing around the term toxic because you're, you're going nuclear on somebody, you're bringing something into a relationship or into a connection that makes it even harder to get over. Let me instead encourage you to exercise your agency, even as the one who's on the short end of the toxic stick, exercise your agency to speak to the problem and to work for peace. Romans twelve eighteen, verse that we need to soak in. It says, If it is possible... As far as it depends on you. There are two qualifiers on the beginning of, at the beginning of that verse. Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everybody. It's not possible to be at peace with everybody. And you can do everything that's up to you. It takes more than, than that. But if it's possible, and as far as it depends on you, be at peace... With everybody. I just want to encourage you, instead of responding with the toxic label, respond with Romans twelve eighteen. That if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. Because applying the toxic tag makes it even tougher to work out of a hard situation. So let's end where we started, back at John 7 and Jeremiah 2. The best solution for toxic is living water. And that's first to have your own thirst quenched. To be made alive by this living water that is God. And then with God's wisdom to deal with the toxic. And then to come to a place where you're not only not toxic, but you become life-giving to the world around you by this living water that overflows from your life. That's what Jesus has in mind. That's what Jeremiah has in mind. That's what God has in mind. And the other, let me urge you to be really careful about DIYing, digging your own Truth. Be so careful where you get the basis for your life and all of your connections and involvement. So what does this give you to think about tonight? What does this talk about toxic and truth? Where does it land with with you? Um, Simple question, what's your truth? Are you DIYing it? Um, Or have you made the decision for your truth to be God's living water? Second, I'd encourage you to trust this living water. Uh, trust this living water to bring life to you, to make you fully alive um, in all your hard situations and all, with all the difficult people who may well be toxic to you. But trust the living water to make you fully alive in the midst of whatever it is that you're dealing with. Truth, toxic, living water. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for being our living water. Thank you for the promise that your Holy Spirit in us not only satisfies our thirst, but overflows to a thirsty world around us. Would you do that? Would you do that for us tonight?